All right, I thought I'd spend just a few minutes today. The topic is going to be speaking about Jesus. Uh, earlier in the week, I was looking through a, a fellow Christian, Brother in Christ's uh, Facebook page. Uh, he quite often will speak about uh, Bible topics. As a matter of fact, that's pretty much what he uh, posts the majority of the time. And a comment, a comment was made by, I actually believe it was by a fellow Christian, but a comment was made you know, all you ever talk about is the Bible. Uh, they went on to basically say that it, it came across that he was uh, obsessed with the Bible uh, and that the fact that he talked about it all the time really pushed people away. I began to think a little bit about that, and then I began to think about not just this fellow Christian who was telling another Christian, listen, that's all you, that's all you talk about is the Bible. Uh, I began to think really about other interactions I have seen or comments I have heard of over time. I jotted down just a couple, and these are fairly well known for anybody who uh, has social media or watches TV. You probably remember some years ago there was, there was some uproar about it. Uh, at the 2007 Emmy Awards, you had a speaker. Actually, she came up to get an award. Her name is Kathy Griffin. Uh, and many of you may recall that at her acceptance speech, she said this. I jotted down the quote. A lot of people, and let me say this before I even read this quote, I, I apologize in advance for the quote, uh, but I need to say the quote so that people get an understanding of the culture around us. Again, Kathy Griffin stated, A lot of people come up here and thank Jesus for this award. And I want you to know that no one had less to do with this award than Jesus. Suck it, Jesus. This award is my God now. Now, again, I don't, I don't uh, approve of the language. I simply chose that because this was something that caused some outroar amongst Christians. Now, the majority of the people that heard this, as a matter of fact, there was some laughter in the crowd. Uh, and what she really was saying was that she, she's not interested in Jesus. She doesn't want to hear about Jesus or the teachings of Jesus. And therefore, she doesn't want to hear about the words from his his uh, apostles who were teaching inspired doctrine. Uh, in short, what she was saying was, I don't want to hear about that stuff. People talking about Jesus, and I don't want to hear about it. Uh, and not only that, she then began to blaspheme and to talk ill about Jesus. Another very famous person, most of you are familiar with John Lennon. Uh, for those of you who are younger, he was a singer. But John Lennon made this comment some years ago as he was having an interview with American Magazine. He said, Christianity will end, it will disappear. I do not have to argue about that. I am certain. Jesus was okay, but his subjects were too simple, and today we are more famous than him. He, of course, was talking about his group that he was involved in. That was back in 1966. I wish I could spend some time about John Lennon's beliefs uh, and so forth. Now, he didn't go on to really degrade the name of Jesus like Kathy Griffin did. However, in essence, what he was saying was, when he said his subjects were too simple, what he was saying was, is we have evolved today to much more sophisticated topics. We have a much more enlightened view about things. Uh, and so he was dismissing the teachings of Jesus, not from really such a harsh viewpoint as Kathy Griffin was, but in both situations, the response really was, you know, I'm not interested in Jesus. Uh, we don't want to hear about the teachings of Jesus. And John Lennon really goes to show us that even back in the 60s, many people thought they had really outgrown the teachings of Jesus. Now, for those of us that talk about Jesus quite often on social media, uh, you then get the feedback of, why are you guys always talking about Jesus? 
Well, the problem and reason, the reason many people do not want to hear us speaking about Jesus is that there are a lot of people today who do not want to follow Jesus. Uh, many people do not want to hear about Jesus. They do not want to hear about the inspired Word of God from our Bible. As a matter of fact, not long ago, and, and this was a more recent event that I thought of, uh, not long ago after a congressman had read Scripture publicly in the House of Representatives, you had a man by the name of Jerry Nadler who said, What any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Now, here's what's interesting. He says... What any religious tradition? Well, the thing was, the guy was actually reading Bible verses. Now, I'm not going to go back and t talk about the Bible verses that he used, and he did use, uh, and they were still applicable, but, well, let me, let me not even address it. There was no, there was no um, religious tradition being discussed. He simply read Bible verses. And Congressman Nadler said that uh, it was of no concern to this Congress. Well, I agree. There are many in Congress. We have lawmakers. We have politicians. We have, as we've already seen, famous people, singers, uh, actors, comedians. I guess if you could call them that, I don't know that I would. And a lot of them all have the same idea, and it's the same idea really as a lot of people just in the normal, I'll call it the normal world, have, and that's we don't want to hear about Jesus. We don't want to, we don't want to hear you talking about Jesus. Uh, we don't want to think about Jesus. And really, it seems unusual when we're constantly speaking about Jesus. What was Congressman Nadler saying? What was John Lennon saying? What was Kathy Griffin saying? We don't want to hear about your teachings of Jesus. We don't want to hear about the Bible. Well, then here's a valid question. Is it really any different today than it is in the first century? I know I ask that question quite often. Let's go on over to Acts chapter 4. And remember, all these famous people, and not just famous people, people who are not famous, they got the same idea. We don't want to hear about you, Jesus. You're constantly talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear about Him. Is it any different? Well, let's listen to Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. All right, so you've got the, we'll call, uh, we've, you've got the powerful people here, the Jewish, Jewish rulers. You've got Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, uh, and you've got them asking Peter, by what authority are you doing this? 
They knew exactly who Peter was, and they knew exactly what it was that Peter taught. And they knew exactly who it was that Peter was a follower of. They knew that he was a follower of Christ. And so here, you've got them preaching Jesus. And again, just like today, you've got people in the, in the first century, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. And yet, that's what the apostles were doing. They were going around and they were teaching. Now, let me go back and give you a little background on the text. The background to the verses here really shows that you've got a conflict between the culture of their day and the apostles. All right? You've got a conflict between the culture, which the Jewish culture, and you've got the apostles. They're teaching that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He's the true Savior. And they were going about and they were teaching God's will. Now, that's the basic conflict even today. Of all cultures, uh, the conflict of Jesus as opposed to the culture, that's the real conflict that we have going on today, and it was in the first century. It's this constant theological question, who's going to save us? Or, as many would say today, do we even need to be saved? Or, as we may even draw a conclusion to, is there some standard of morality that we ought to live by? Again, many of those theological questions, they were being asked back in the first century, they're being asked today, and that's really what we've got going on. Now, this isn't just a spiritual question, this is really a life question. Does true life come from Jesus or does it come from some other source? Well, it depends on who you ask. Many would say true life doesn't come from Jesus. I'm sure that's what Kathy Griffin would say. I'm sure that's what John Lennon would say. My guess is that's probably what Jerry Nadler would say. True life doesn't come from Jesus. As a matter of fact, we've heard from all of them. They didn't want to even hear about Jesus. We don't want to hear about Him. And yet you've got Christians going all the time and trying to teach other people. They're using Facebook, social media. They're using YouTube. And as that one gentleman said, it seems like you're obsessed with Jesus. That's all you do. All you do is speak about Jesus. Well, the leaders of the Jewish nation didn't want the apostles going out and speaking and teaching about Jesus or that He was the Savior. And they didn't want them going out and teaching what was required of man today because of Jesus uh, and His ministry and what He had done. Uh, and really, the New Testament teaching, they didn't want to hear about it. Well, guys, we're going to notice the same thing as we move on over to Acts chapter 5. I apologize, I really just have a bunch of uh, verses written down here uh, as I was working on this. We see the same thing over in Acts chapter 5. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. What did he just say? We told you guys to quit talking about Jesus. I mean, you're trying to bring His blood upon us. Well, let me just say something here. They were guilty of what they had done. Uh, if they felt guilty, uh, they should have. Uh, they were facing the consequences of their actions. But what they're saying is, is, we told you to quit talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear about Jesus. And that's all you guys ever do is speak about Jesus. That's the same comment I saw made to a fellow Christian the other day. Why are you guys always speaking about Jesus? And I thought about that, and then I just jotted down a couple of reasons. Why are we always talking about Jesus? Well, geez, the same thing the apostles were trying to teach is the same thing we're trying to teach. Jesus was the Savior of mankind, and people need to hear that. Now, many people today do not want to hear about Jesus because they don't want to acknowledge their sin, or they don't want to acknowledge their guilt. 
And if they don't hear about Jesus and they don't accept Jesus and they don't accept the New Testament, uh, and if the New Testament is not their standard, then what's considered moral or immoral really has no definition. And so for many people, the purpose for many in the rejecting of the Savior is simply to try to eliminate what they can or they cannot do. Let me, let me phrase it more simple. They don't want to hear about Jesus, but we're always speaking about Jesus. Why? They need to know that Jesus is their Savior. Yet they don't want to hear about that because that draws a dividing line in the sand on one, the very fact that there is salvation possible, and two, there's requirements for those who want to be saved. Listen to Ephesians 1.7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Now, Jesus shed His blood for all man. The problem is... Sorry for my dry throat, guys. I've spoken all day at work. The problem is, is there are a lot of people who... They really don't have an understanding of how to come into contact with that blood. They don't even understand what it is that the blood did. And many of them just think they have this idea that, well, if I just believe that he was Messiah and shed his blood, that's good enough. No, that's not the case. And we really need to go back and talk about contacting the blood. And you contact the blood during baptism. Romans 6, 3 and 4, we see that burial in water, which is where you contact the blood. And if you don't contact the blood through uh, baptism... You can't have remission of sins. Well, that's not what's taught out in the religious world, right? They say, well, we have remission of sins because we believe in Jesus. Listen to Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. All right. As faithful Christians, we're blessed to be forgiven. We can have remission of sins. We understand He's the Savior of mankind. We've chosen to become followers of Christ. And then we go out and we begin to tell people, we begin to tell people that Jesus is, Jesus is the only way to be saved. He is the Savior of all mankind, and, and many do not want to hear it. But that's the message that we're going out and we're telling them. Now, I do have to say this. Even though we've become Christians, we don't look at His forgiveness as being a license to go out and to continue to sin. Listen to Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? <clears throat> shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Yeah, Jesus Christ is our Savior, but accepting Jesus as our Savior through obedience to the gospel doesn't mean that we can go out and live however it is we want. Some people know that, and because they know that, they just outrightly reject Jesus because they don't want a standard of morality. Some claim to be followers of Jesus, but they also do not want that standard of morality, and so... They go out and teach, for example, faith-only salvation, uh, and they teach that you cannot fall from grace. Why? Well, that allows them to still do whatever it is they want to do without being bound by any type of morality. So yeah, Jesus is the Savior of mankind, and a lot of people don't want to hear that message. That's the message we're out speaking. It's what we're motivated to talk about. That's why people are constantly talking about Jesus on Facebook. They're trying to get other people to realize that, that, yes, Jesus is the Savior of mankind. And if you're not a Christian yet, <clears throat> you're not saved. Now, Jesus also saves us from dead works. I'm going to go over to Hebrews 9.14. And I'm going to use this passage because I really kind of want to address current thought processes today. <clears throat> Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, first thing we have to do is keep this in context. And, and I'm bringing this up because, again, a lot of people will say, well, I believe Jesus is the Savior of mankind, but I don't believe that you need to do anything. Because if you try to do anything, that's a work, and you can't earn your salvation. Well, let's go back and keep this in context. What was the book of Hebrews about, and who was it to? Because a lot of people will go to this passage and then try to teach something that the Bible doesn't teach. We have to remember that the Hebrews letter was written to Jewish Christians who thought that salvation came by works of the law of Moses. There was an intermingling between Judaism and Christianity for some, the Judaizers. And you had a number of those who had been Jewish who were still trying to bind Jewish law uh, as part of Christianity. And since the Old Testament had been replaced by the New Testament teaching, the Old Testament was nailed to the cross, Colossians 2.14. Since it had been replaced by the New Testament, the works of the Old Law couldn't save people. And so to go out and to do these works thinking you could be saved through them was an incorrect understanding. There was no, uh, no one by the works of the law of Moses could earn salvation from God. That wasn't even the dispensation they lived under at the time. These were dead works. Now, many today simply don't keep this, in, this verse in context. They think all works are dead works. And I wish I could go back and spend some time on works. I'm really not going to do that um, because that wasn't really where I was going to take this lesson. But you, you have works of obedience, you have the works of God, uh, and we could talk a little bit about that. Many people make no distinction. They literally think that everything that you do is a work, uh, and those who argue against all works fail to understand um, biblical differences between, I guess what I would call, works of merit and works of obedience. Works of merit are things that would put us into, in debt to God. Now, God. God doesn't owe us anything. And so I agree, you can't be saved by works of merit, but I don't discount works of obedience. Works of obedience are done through the faith, and you can't have faith apart from works. Now, we could go back and spend some time talking about uh, James chapter, really, really James 1 and 2, but specifically James chapter 2. You can't separate one's works from their faith, and specifically works of obedience. And that's because those were given, uh, the requirements for those things we're supposed to do were given by command. Okay? So, you've got a lot of people today who are involved in good deeds. Now, I brought this up because, one, there are, there are people who believe they're Christians who have an incorrect understanding about the things they need to do. Uh, because Jesus is the Savior of mankind. <clears throat> but then you have a different group of people today in our religious world around us or in our society around us who think they can do good things, and those good, good things will earn them salvation or those good things will make them righteous. Uh, people like John Lennon, uh, Kathy Griffin, I doubt it, but people like John Lennon were, were those that had this type of idea. John Lennon really wanted, uh, he wanted ultimate peace, and he wanted equality and a number of things. Uh, and many of those people, like John Lennon, thought that they could do good uh, and that that doing of good would, re would result in them being, really, I guess I would use the word righteous. Those things are good and those things are needed, <clears throat> even with all the good works, though, that man may do. Man still hasn't resolved one problem, and that problem is the sin problem, right? 
And that's why when people talk about, well, you can't earn your way to heaven, I agree with that 100%. However, there are things that I am required within the Scriptures to do, works of obedience, and that is not a work trying to earn merit or trying to uh, make God indebted to me to give me salvation. They're two totally different things. And so you can go out and do all these good things you want. You're not going to earn your salvation. You can also go out and do all these good things, and it doesn't make you righteous with God. And ultimately, it's because each person still has to deal with the sin problem. Listen to Isaiah 64, 6. And before I read it, so let's, let's say that you have millions of dollars, and you have spent millions of dollars of feeding the poor. Is that good? Of course it is. Is it needed? Yes, it is. Does that feeding the poor simply by itself uh, make you righteous in God's sight? No, it doesn't, because there's still a sin problem. Isaiah 64, 6 but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, or sins, like the wind, have taken us away. Again, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the consequence is death. Now, Jesus is the Savior of mankind, <clears throat> and because He is the Savior of mankind, and He is one who's in a position of authority, and I'll touch on that in a minute, there are things that I am required to do. And you cannot separate those things I'm required to do apart from, um, apart from my faith. Now, again, you begin to talk about this and people, they don't want to hear you talking about Jesus. They don't want to hear you saying that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. And yet Jesus is, and based on that, we have obligation to Him. Even for those who are not yet Christians, they have obligation to Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of mankind. Matter of fact, uh, listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Because we could go out and do all these different good things that people are doing, and it doesn't, it doesn't erase the bad that we do. Uh, we can go out and we can um, think that we could, we could earn our way to salvation, and in the end, if you're not a faithful follower of God, it means nothing. Now, for the Christian, it does. For the faithful Christian, works are not meaningless in Christ. Uh, in Christ, every good work is actually remembered and it's acknowledged. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we do works for the Lord, things like this that we just mentioned. We do works of obedience. There are works of God, and the list would go on. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But my point was simply this. You're not going to earn your way to salvation, and yet you are required to be obedient to Jesus. Uh, Jesus made it very clear when He said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Uh, Luke 6, 46. Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. Uh, and He saves us. He should save us from the fear of death you got people in this world, they don't want to hear you talking about Jesus. They don't want to hear you talking about hellfire and damnation. They do want to think about going to an eternal resting place such as heaven, but they don't want to think about, they don't want to think about death. Well, for the follower of God, Jesus saves us from that fear. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. <clears throat> I think the religious world around us oftentimes doesn't want to hear about Jesus because they don't want to hear about hell. And if they don't hear about Jesus and they don't think about hell, 
then in their mind, everything's okay. We need to be out telling pe people that Jesus is the Savior of mankind. And to do that, we need to talk about things like being faithful and obeying the gospel, <clears throat> being faithful to all of his teachings after obeying the gospel. We need to talk about hell. We need to talk about heaven. We need to talk about those things so we know where both the unfaithful and the, and the faithful go. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Faithful Christians aren't going to have to fear about that. But here's the problem. People like Kathy Griffin, people like John Lennon, people like Jerry Nadler, they are not faithful Christians. And they need to hear us speaking to them about Jesus. And one of those things we talk about is the fact that He is the Savior of all mankind. Now, when we do that, many of them are going to say, why is it all you do is just talking about Jesus all the time? All you do is talk about Jesus. That's because I want you to know He's the Savior of all mankind. But that's not all I want you to know. We also talk about Jesus because we want people to know that not only is He the Savior of all mankind, He's the standard for all mankind. Now, I think this ties into the first point. This is ultimately why people many times do not want to hear about Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate pattern for man today. The world will say, well, there is no ideal person because cultures have changed over time and standards vary, and so there is no ideal person. And they will say that, you know, we are what we make for ourselves to be. That was the idea of John Lennon, right? John Lennon didn't believe in a higher power. Uh, he believed that man could improve things over time, that man ultimately was their own God. Well, <clears throat> John and Lennon thinks that man could change their image over time, but God created us in His, his image, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Yeah, we talk about Jesus all the time being our Savior, and we talk about Jesus being the standard. And what people need to realize is that we were made in the image of God. And I don't just mean me as a Christian. All people, those people who are living sinful lifestyles, they were made in the image of God. They're not to be living like that. They need to know that. They need to hear about that. 1 Corinthians 15.45 and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. We're talking about Christ here. Christ was the standard for mankind. Man was made, in the, made after the image of God. Jesus being the standard for mankind is also the standard for right and wrong. Now, much of this was taught during His personal ministry. And then we have other... Uh, inspired information given to us by his, his apostles or the inspired writers. And so Jesus and our inspired New Testament is the standard for what is moral or not, or for what is moral and for what is immoral. Now we have to recall Jesus lived a sinless life. Listen to 1 John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Jesus had never sinned. The reason was He was going to be our perfect sacrifice. I already told you He was the Savior of mankind. And He had to be sinless to be that perfect sacrifice, to be that Savior. 1 Peter 2, 21-22, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found 
in his mouth. Now, he's the perfect example for us. Yeah, we're going around telling people, Jesus, Jesus is the Savior of mankind. And then we're telling them Jesus is the standard for mankind. And we're to follow after his example. And you've got people who say, well, there's no way I can live a sinless life. I agree, but that's the standard that you're to try to emulate. That's, that's how you're supposed to try to live. And, you know, just look at this messed up world for just a minute. If everybody was literally trying to emulate Jesus and to live a sinless life, even though we would have the occasional mess-ups, and we all do, imagine what this world would be like. I think it would be very close to actually the life that John Lennon really wanted this world to be like. <clears throat> now, John Lennon uh, took it to an extreme and really was a promoter of uh, communistic ideas and so forth. But if everybody lived that type of a lifestyle, think of all the problems it would, it would resolve. Jesus lived a sinless life so that we could be righteous in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, He never sinned, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It's through His sacrifice that we can have our sins forgiven. Now, we already touched on that earlier when I talked about the fact that He shed His blood for the remission of sins. <clears throat> Listen to 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Why are you guys always talking about Jesus? Well, he's the Savior of mankind. And because he's the Savior of mankind, he's also the standard for mankind. He literally is giving us the direction on how to achieve eternal life, to have true life, I mean a meaningful life. Now, how many of you guys have heard people say, well, you're talking about Jesus making life better for stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just don't believe it. Does, how many of you guys have heard people say, well, doesn't God just want me to be happy? You know, you're talking about God, God can give me true happy life. And, I mean, these are the things I want to do. And don't you think God wants me to be happy? Well, here's my question. Based on whose plan? Based on your plan to be intoxicated and to do drug use and to commit adultery and, and fornication and whatever it is that you want to talk about it based on your plan or based on God's plan? Because when you talk about uh, or when you ask the question, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Well, I don't know. What, what kind of things are you wanting to do? Uh, because if you're wanting to justify sin, then God doesn't want you to be happy involved in those types of things. And yet that's the religious world around or the religious world around us oftentimes caters to people by making it that's not really that big of a deal. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but there's a well-known, there's a well-known, uh, I'm not, not going to call him a minister because he's not. I don't want to call him a preacher. A televangelist. There's a well-known televangelist. He was doing an interview and they asked him, you know, what, what are your thoughts on homosexuality and abortion? And he said, you know, that's not really my primary, that's not really my primary area of, of concern. What was he doing? Well, for those people who say, doesn't God want me to be happy and I still should be able to have abortions and live certain lifestyles? What was he doing? Well, he was appeasing them. And so for those people that say, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? Absolutely, he does. But not living like that. He wants you to be happy through faithfulness according to the Scriptures. <clears throat> Listen to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. And as I read this, think about our culture today. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Does God want me to be happy? Yeah, but not being involved in sin. Now, you can go be happy being involved in sin, but you won't be righteous. You won't be righteous. And if you want to think that idea of, well, God would let me do it because God wants me to be happy, you're just flat out wrong. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. Uh, you can go do it, and as a Christian, we're, we're going to let you do it. Uh, you guys will find, people, people call us as Christians, they call us uh, hateful people because we tell people, don't do this or you should do that. And a lot of other religious groups, when they tell you not to do something and you do it, they come kill you. Uh, specifically, a lot of the sins that we're not allowed to talk about or they don't want us to talk about. There are certain other religious groups out there that will come and kill you. Christians do not kill you. And we understand we can't force Christianity on anybody. But we want you to be a faithful follower of God, and so we're going to speak about Jesus. We're going to tell you that He's the Savior of all mankind, and He's the standard for all mankind. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want eternal life? It comes through Jesus. You want truth? It comes through Jesus. Now, you can go out and do other things that are not approved by the Bible, uh, but that eternal life only comes through Jesus. Trying to seek eternal life through the society and the culture around us and by really just ignoring the teachings of Jesus, by saying, all you do is speak about Jesus. We don't want to hear about Jesus. Jesus was the Savior of mankind. Jesus is the standard for mankind. We want you to know that He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Yes, we're going to speak about Jesus. But people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Listen to John 5, 39 and 40. Remember, I told you the gentleman in the House of Representatives was reading scriptures, and Jerry Nadler says, you know what? What, what uh, any religious group considers, you know, the traditions, the will of God, we're not interested in those. Listen to John 5, 39 through 40. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus was telling them to go back and search the Scriptures, right? The Scriptures, specifically, He's talking to Jews, that, and the Scriptures testified He was the Messiah. But that idea of go back and to search the Scriptures that you might have life, they don't want to do that. As a matter of fact, the majority of people today, they don't want you speaking about Jesus. They don't want you proclaiming Jesus off the mountaintops. They don't want you proclaiming Jesus on Facebook. They don't want you talking about Jesus on YouTube. So why are we doing it? Jesus is the Savior of mankind. Jesus is the standard of mankind, and all men everywhere need to know it, and all Christians everywhere need to be reminded of it. But that's not all we're going to talk about. He's the sovereign over mankind. We have to talk about this for just a second because the world today seems to think that uh, they can be their own, their own lawmakers. They seem to think that they can be in charge of what it is that they do, what it is that they want to do. And, and to be honest, man can go out and live whatever life he wants, and he can say he's in charge of himself. <clears throat> Jesus is the ruler of all nations. Listen to Revelation 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus is in a position of power. Jesus is in a position of preeminence. Listen to Revelation 19, 15. 
And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now we can go back and look at a, a lot of other New Testament verses talking about Jesus being in a position of authority, being a, in a position of preeminence, uh, being the sovereign over mankind. I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. People don't want us talking about Jesus. They don't want to consider Jesus as being sovereign over mankind because, again, that sets a standard of morality. It lets them understand that there are things they must do and things they must not do. And so what do they say? Why are you always talking about Jesus? Why are you speaking about Jesus? We don't want to hear about Jesus. People like Kathy Griffin, people like John Lennon, people like Jerry Nadler. And we could, the list goes on and on. And even people we know in our own life, they look at our social media pages and they go, why are you always speaking about Jesus? He is the Savior of mankind. He is the standard for mankind, and He is the sovereign over all mankind. Specifically, He is the head of the church. Colossians 1, 16 through 18, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. He's preeminent. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. What are we saying? He is sovereign over all mankind. He's the Savior of mankind. He's the standard for mankind. And He is, he is sovereign over mankind. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22 far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, even Kathy Griffin's, John Lennon's, Jerry Nadler's, even Sean Bogeman, right? Above every name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, you may not think you're under his feet, uh, but everything is under his feet, and he is the head of the church, right? That's why we do everything, book, chapter, and verse. That's why we, that's why we uh, wear only the name of Christ and don't wear names like the denominational churches around us. It's why when people say, yeah, it's not a big deal to live that lifestyle, we say the Bible says you can't do it, right? When people say you can worship however you want, we come back and say the Bible doesn't teach that you can do it. Why? Because Christ is the head of the church, and we look to that inspired word by Him and by His inspired writers as to what we can and cannot do. As the head of the church, he lets us know what we do within the church. But here's the thing. Jesus is sovereign over all mankind, as we've already seen this here. He is Lord and he is king. Now, they may not accept it now, but they will one day. One day they will. People like Kathy Griffin and people like John Lennon who want to mock Jesus or downplay the authority or the role or even the teachings of Jesus, one day they will understand he is Lord and king. And you may say, well, why are you always speaking about Jesus? He's the Savior of mankind. He's the standard of mankind. He is sovereign over all mankind, and He is Lord, and He is King. Whether you accept it now, you will one day. 1 Timothy 6, 14 and 15. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in His times He shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why are we always speaking about Jesus? You need to hear that. You need to hear it. 
Revelation 17, 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords, and He is King of kings. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 19, 16, And He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Why are you always speaking about Jesus? He's the Savior of mankind. He's the standard of man for mankind, and He is the sovereign over mankind. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord, Lord of lords. And yeah, you're tired of seeing it on our Facebook page. You're tired of seeing it on our social media through, uh, outlets through YouTube and wherever it is that we can play it. But you know why we're constantly speaking about Jesus? Because we don't want anybody to go to hell. We want everyone to know that He is... He is the Savior of mankind. We want, him to know, we want people to know that He's the standard of mankind. We want people to know that He is sovereign over mankind. Does it come across as hateful? It shouldn't. It's the most loving thing that could ever be done. The most loving thing that could ever be done. <clears throat> as I draw this to a close, here's my concern. Are you a Christian? It's not complicated to become a Christian. I urge you, please go back. Spend some time studying Acts chapter 2. Look at the conversion accounts and the way people were saved in Acts chapter 2 and all throughout the book of Acts is the same way that people are saved today. Somebody was teaching the gospel just like I'm doing now. Right? That's how faith comes, by hearing, Romans 10, 17. They had faith, Hebrews eleven six. They understood the necessity for them to deal with the sin problem that I mentioned even today. Right? All men have come, come short of the glory of God and have sinned. Romans 3.23, and there's a consequence for that. And that's why Jesus and Paul were commanding people to repent. Luke 13.3 and 5, Acts 17.30. You also find that they confessed Christ, Romans 10.9 and 10. And then they were immersed in water for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38, Jesus declares it, Mark 16.15 and 16. It's how you get into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. As I mentioned earlier, it is a burial in water, Romans 6, 3 and 4, where you come into contact with the blood. And that final culminating act for every conversion account is when we then see they were added to the church by the Lord Himself, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And what was the acknowledgement that they made when they became Christians? He is the Savior of all mankind. He is the standard of all mankind. And He is sovereign over all mankind. If you're not a Christian, I pray that you would be. If you need to study more, we'd love to study with you. You can contact us. Uh, go to our, our webpage, portageschurchchrist.net. There's a couple ways you can contact us. We will study with you or we'll help you find a faithful congregation in your area.